Today is April 30th. This is the Mike Dominic Show. I am, of course, Mike Dominic. Today I have a uh, interview with Matt Vaughn, who is from Full Stack Talent. It's a local Tampa, St. Petersburg area uh, technical talent firm here in um, in Florida. I realize Tampa might not mean anything to people, you know, outside of the region. So figured I'd add that to help. It's a pretty good conversation. I know many of you have probably had interactions with recruiters that maybe didn't go so well or, you know, you get a lot of um, maybe spam. I think uh, Matt is honestly the best recruiter I've ever met. We work with him as a client at the Matt Botter. It's an interesting look behind the scenes. We also have a good conversation about kind of getting your first gig as either a uh, recent college graduate in software development or a recent bootcamp graduate and again in software development. So give it a listen. It's a little longer than usual. I think the running time is about 51 minutes. If you have any questions, as always, reach out to the show on Twitter and we now have a contact form via discuss on the show page. Show is sponsored by my consulting company, The Mad Butter Inc. If you need any development done, let us know. Additionally, don't forget our Earth Day contest for students. We're giving away a Thaleo. We're going to be tweeting out details of the config in the coming days. But uh, if you are a student in in the U.S. and you would like to try doing some open source completely of your own direction, we don't do anything with it, but just something that focuses on climate change and helping the environment, um, you could win a System76 Thaleo. So what a great time. A new version of Papa West should be out soon. Uh, without any further ado, here's Matt. Enjoy. Hello, Mr. Vaughn. How are you today? Hello, Mr. Dominic. Doing well. All right. So this is Matt Vaughn from Full Stack Recruiting, Full Stack Talent, rather, right here in Tampa. First of all, thank you for being in Tampa. Isn't it great? You can go outside, you can play some sports, go to a pub. Oh, wait. (laughs) Whoops. Yeah, I'm pretty much just maintaining my sanity with uh, taking some rides on my bike down Bayshore every couple of days just to get some fresh air. Yeah, same here. I mean, I'm in Riverview, that's where I live, but... The bike rides have, you know what, I just bought recently a new bike, a Trek bicycle. That has become very important to me. <laughs> same same thing here. I, I could not have bought a road bike at like a better time because I, I grew up up north. I'm originally from technically Ohio, Air Force Breath okay. before then. So everywhere for a while and then Ohio consistently. <laughs> um, so I'm used to mountain biking all over the place. And then I moved oh, sure. to Florida yeah. without hills or mountains. So I was like, I guess I'll buy one of these Lance Armstrong looking bikes and see how this goes. <laughs> and Same that was here. like two yeah. weeks before all of this happened. So it couldn't have been better timed. <laughs> yeah, seriously clutch. And I happened to let the guy upsell me to a bike tire pump, which super good choice. Like, I'm, ju- I'm just saying, great choice. Uh, so, Matt, tell us about Full Stack Talent. You know, I have to say that your timing could not be better to come on the show. I have been getting a lot of feedback since I started the show and for, frankly, years when I used to do Code Radio of people who, well, there's three types, right? They they have some experience and, you know, unfortunately, for whatever reason, they need to change jobs or maybe they just want to change jobs. They are just out of college and they want to get into development or they went through one of the boot camps. I think you and I are both uh, somewhat involved with Suncoast Developers Guild down here in Tampa and St. Pete, right? Yep. Given everything that's going on right now, or even in general, what is it like to place someone right now for, let's say, a you know a development job? My answer three weeks ago would have been wildly different from what it is now. <laughs> Isn't that the case with everything? <laughs> yeah, things are pretty crazy as a as a whole. I mean, the majority of people are at minimum on hiring freeze and not moving forward with anybody, even that they 
my apologies for the dog <laughs> dog tag in the background. Dogs are always welcome. <laughs> So at minimum, everybody's pretty much holding off on hiring, if not going the other direction and letting people go. Um, so it's a bit of a challenge to just find where jobs are, uh, regardless of if you're me um, and working directly with companies or if you're a candidate and trying to figure out who is hiring. Um, it's gotten to be uh, pretty interesting. The majority of job sites out there now are, are fortunately allowing people to tag that they're specifically hiring during the pandemic, which is cool. So if you go on like Indeed and ZipRecruiter, and I believe Craigslist as well has tagging uh, wow, for Craigslist, that, which is helpful. Right. Yeah, I think Upwork too. So that's interesting because to me, that feels like a pretty wide. I'm trying to think about what we do internally at TMB. We do a lot of ZipRecruiter. Um, we work with you guys. I, I've never even thought to like use Craigslist or Upwork though. Is is that like a different process or? That just depends on what the the person's need is. Um, typically, we'll like Craigslist is is by far like the least of our most bountiful um, when it comes to, sure. to candidates. But depending on the role, um, we'll blast stuff out on absolutely everything. If it's something where it's an urgent need, where you call me and you say, Matt, I need a QA person like to come in. By the next morning, <laughs> we're going to be posting on Facebook jobs, which is a place that we normally don't, and Craigslist, which is a place that we normally don't. Reddits, uh, subreddits like r slash for hire, r slash jobs, Tampa jobs, I think there's a subreddit for. So um, depending on the role and the urgency, um, we'll, we'll access a lot of avenues that we don't typically. Um, but yeah, we do get good talent from those as well, even though you wouldn't think like a, a software architect would be looking on Craigslist for a job, but the way that Google's aggregator works for like everything that kind of stuff gets spit out back at them as well. That makes sense. Now, just as a little bit of background, because I think we kind of put the cart before the horse here. <laughs> Can you tell me about full stack talent? Because I realize if you're not in the Tampa St. Pete area, which is, you know, the vast majority of the audience, you probably don't know what the hell I'm talking about. <laughs> so yeah, full stack talent, we're a uh, tech services um, firm specifically for the most part around staffing and HR consulting. Um, so the the standard issue recruiting services um, that everybody else offers as far as contractors or, or permanent hires um, or the contract to hire middle ground with that. Um, we like to think that we do it better than a lot of people in, in some instances, but functionally it's headhunting. Um, and then the other side of things, we do programs that we call full stack gold where we just become HR and recruiting or one or the other four companies that need those kind of services and a more than per hire basis. So company gets their, their funding money, they have an HR person maybe, but they don't have a dedicated recruiter, let alone somebody that actually knows anything about technology and has any skills as far as trying to qualify uh, those kind of roles. Um, those companies will bring us on to just effectively become their white label recruiting team and go out and, and hunt for them for, as opposed to a fee-based model, just a, a, an annual agreement with monthly retainers. Um, so that's kind of the two sides of that coin, um, as well as providing tech services here and there when it's something that the time sink is worth it. Um, me and the, the owner come from tech backgrounds. Um, so there's a, a lot of stuff that we could do and we could throw together teams for. If you just need like a basic website, we're happy to help out. Uh, but nine times out of 10 for larger projects, if we're going to have to hire a PM and like 10 developers, I would rather give it to a company like you that I work with and say, you handle this. <laughs> right. Right. So that's interesting. So 
with the gold offering, when you say replacing HR, can mm-hmm. you kind of dig into that a little bit? Because I, I think, you know, as a technical founder myself, you know, being IE, a tech guy who founded a company, I kind of hate HR, <laughs> like a lot. <laughs> like it's the worst label on Trello is that yellow HR one that we have. And it's always <laughs> something like, I have to call the payroll company and there's some problem or somebody's, you know, W2 had their social security miskeyed by the payroll lady. Yeah. You know, not that these are like major issues, but it's definitely up. right. It's pinpricks. So, so what exactly are you guys doing in that in that capacity? Yes, this is a program that, that me and Michael have been Michael as in our Michael, the owner of Full Stack Talent, have been kicking this around for a little over a year. And we implemented it about eight months ago, I believe, with our first client. Um, and we kept having our own personal gripes with the way the staffing industry works and the way that staffing is viewed and the way that our our consultative approach kind of has a bad taste out of the gate with people's mouth uh, or in people's mouths due to the way that they've interacted with staffing companies in the past. Um, You've known me for what, going on two years now at this point. I'm not exactly the big push guy. I'm not feeding you info that's just trying to pad my wallet if I tell you you're off on salary or benefits or whatever it is, that's that's me trying to help the company out, not increase my fee. <laughs> but when you have those kind of conversations where a company is used to hearing that from staffing agencies that are just trying to, to increase what their, their revenue is on the, the per hire basis, that kind of information doesn't get listened to. Um, also, we're the enemy to internal teams in a lot of cases. An HR person doesn't want our money coming out of their budget. Um, because they're the ones being paid to do that in a lot of cases. Some companies completely are, are well, welcome and open arms to, to staffing agencies, which is great. And CS is like an extension of their team, which is fantastic. Um, but that being said, me and me and Michael came together and said like, okay, how can we structure this to, to do everything that we have the tools to do in a way that's more appetizing for companies to just consistently use us? Um, so what what we put together is this... Uh, the plan that we call gold that we started working with um, a handful of companies around the Bay with um, that are typically somewhere around like, I want to say like 10 to like 50 ish employees um, at a start um, that either have an internal HR person that doesn't know how to recruit um, or they don't have anything. And it's just the senior level executives (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that are handling all of the responsibilities for payroll and HR and benefits and hiring and job postings and writing job descriptions. And it's grading death by a thousand cuts, like you said. Right. And um, taking that and just saying like, okay, we've got that now. Because um, I've got a, a fantastic trained team of recruiters. I've got a fantastic trained team that are um, APHR certified that know all the ins and outs of that. We have applicant tracking systems. We have HR portals and support that we utilize. We have benefits administrator services that we have. So it's like, okay, let's just offer this to our clients and become that solution. Um, and it's been fantastic because we've, we've been allowed to, to partner with clients. There's always some kind of wall up where you're the outside team or, oh, you're just an extra expense. Now we're helping them write everything. We're redoing their employee handbooks. We're helping them write their their offers, their employee satisfaction surveys, building out what their talent strategy is over the course of the next year, um, doing market research for them, as well as executing on the actual hiring of these people. And it's been, it's been really fun. You're actually going that deep into actively working on not just like finding 
finding the talent, getting them on board and, and kind of the, you know, like the normal, like, I don't know, like a Robert, Robert half might do for you. You're <laughs> How one dare you product. say my former employer. Oh, he, listen, I, you know what, <laughs> when I, as a contractor, you often deal with them. Right. And, uh, I, that's where I got my start. I, I accidentally became a recruiter like most recruiters. Nobody really. So tell, tell us about that then. How, how does one become a recruiter? Cause you know, what? I think like not, not to hit the point too finely, but a lot of technical people have maybe a, you know, they, they've dealt with bad recruiters, right? And they have a little bit of a bad taste. But I mean, I've worked with you. You're reasonable. You know, you're 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 fine. You're really good reasonable at Mario and Kart. Fine. That's a raving review. No, you're good, right? Like you're not you're not super pushy. But like, why is that? Why is it like every day I get emails from people try, from like larger recruiting firms trying to get us to hire people from them? What's kind of the sweet spot for you guys? How have um, you managed to not do that? I guess is what I'm saying. It's a lot of freedom from Michael's um, perspective of, of what he's given me. Um, Cause I pretty much have free reigns to pursue things as I see fit. And as long as we have clients coming in and people that are getting jobs, then it doesn't really matter. Um, so to, to back things up, I was in college for graphic design, working at a Best Buy uh, up in Ohio. And I kind of grew up doing uh, graphic design and a bit of front end development, creating websites for area businesses and oh, cool. miscellaneous design services, like logos and business cards and collateral and that kind of stuff. What was your uh, web dev stack of choice at the time? Oh, real basic, just super basic HTML and CSS. I, I came out of, I mean, I originally learned how to, to code working off of or reverse engineering templates from like Zanga and MySpace nice. when I was a kid. What's <laughs> um, wrong with that? Yeah. So I am far from a good coder. I, uh, I was a part of a duo. I handled the, the graphical side of things. Uh, my partner handled the development side of things, uh, but he was lazy and or busy um, depending on the day. So I ended up having to pick up a lot of slack <laughs> in those instances to actually get stuff done. <laughs> so, so I didn't want I to, it. but that's that's how I learned it. And um, the the general manager, the, the Best Buy I was working at in college, um, graduated with a international business degree of some sort and got a job as a division director um, for permanent services for tech. Um, for Robert Half, covering like Northeastern Ohio and Western PA. And I'd been working with him for a couple of years and he gets the job, goes like, okay, I'm the division director of no one. Um, but like once I'm up and running in like seven or eight months, like I want you to, to come work with me. Um, they pretty much traditionally only hire uh, business grads that can slam a phone for a living, but don't really sure. care too much about technology. Um, and that's not a dig about Robert Half. There's fantastic recruiters at every company and bad recruiters at every company. <laughs> so I, I don't, I don't want to speak ill of anyone specifically. But as a whole, they mostly hire business grads. Um, he's like, I think it would be cool for you to come in and, and talk with them with the, the kind of experience and background um, that you have and more talk shop for a living than the, the standard approach. So I went in, met the team, really liked everybody. I'm a big fan of that office. I've still got a lot of friends up there. Um, and I did that for a couple of years. Um, really enjoyed it. They were opening up a Tampa Perm branch and asked me, a friend of mine out of the Pittsburgh office and another friend out of the uh, Los Angeles or San Francisco area, um, and moved the three of us down to Tampa to, to open that division for for tech perm down here. So that's how I ended up here. But then I ultimately got out of recruiting and <laughs> I swore I'd never go back. You seem to have failed in your goal. I'm just letting you know. Yeah, no, the, and blame Michael Sunderland for that. So I um, 
I started doing sales consulting for a couple of different startups, um, worked for uh, an agency um, that sold advertising for a lot of the red carpet space, like the Grammys and the Billboard Awards. It sounds way more glamorous than it actually was. We just occasionally got to do really cool stuff. It was standard. Oh, yeah. You're dating movie stars. It's no big deal, right? <laughs> it, little uh, Don, it, little Cristal. You're fine. Out of the two years, I, I spent 99% of the time making the same phone call day after day. And, and then one really cool day at the uh, Billboard Music Awards in um, Las Vegas, where I was like 10 feet from Celine Dion in a chandelier singing, my heart will go on. So that was cool. Nice. <laughs> but, uh, so I was, I was looking to, to get out of that, um, for, for personal reasons. And I started reaching out to my network and, and a really good mutual friend of the full stacks owner. And I said, Hey, this guy is looking for a director of sales to come in and, and take over the client side of things. Um, don't like immediately react, but it's a staffing agency. I was like, Oh God, come on. Um, but when I met with him and, and had the conversation, a lot of the things that he didn't like about staffing, um, and the way the industry is and the way that the industry is viewed, um, and a lot of the bad rap that it gets are the same problems that I had. <laughs> so, so I was like, so okay, what, what, so is, what is the bad is rap? Perfect. Right. So what are those problems? I guess, well, you know, it sounds like you had a pretty strong negative, I won't say, you know, negative, whatever preconception, and he was able to talk you out of it. What, what were those preconceptions? <laughs> so by and large, um, the majority of staffing is a, a ridiculous numbers game, regardless of where you are um, and regardless of where your performance is. Um, so it does not matter if you are 900% to your goal. It does not matter if you stayed 80 hours in the office the week prior. Um, the job may be like pitched is like a, a 40 to 50 hour a week thing, but in almost, in almost every shop, like sure it's, it's eight to five, but if you're not there by seven 30 and if you leave before six 30, there's a conversation about it. Really? Um, if you make 80 out of your hundred dials, you were supposed to do that day. There's a conversation about it. If you, regardless of, of what you're doing, like you could be shattering records. You could be four months into the year and beating your entire year's quota, but did you have your hour of talk time that day or two hours of talk time that day? Um, and that's, that's why you get so many phone calls. That's why you get so many emails because everybody has to hit a ridiculous amount of metrics that burn out a lot of people in under like two months. Wow. Yeah. Staffing industries turnover is huge. Some companies do it better than others. Um, but in my experience, kind of like three ways that, that people, end up with a staffing agency there for two months and realize, oh God, this isn't for me um, or are let go and go, oh God, this isn't for me <laughs> from that. Um, two years where they they do pretty well. They had hit their ramp up periods. They're, they're covering their draw and then are doing well, but not doing as well as they would like to for whatever reason, or were passed up for a promotion or something like that. And we'll generally jump ship and go to another firm for two years <laughs> or lifers where if, if they survive past that two year mark, there's so many people I know at different agencies that have been there for 10, 15, 20 years. It's an interesting career progression. So you kind of make it or you don't basically. Yeah. You sink or swim very fast. <laughs> and that's, that's something that, that, yeah, it was always a challenge. And um, no matter like whenever I'm, I'm swapping war stories with everybody from every firm everywhere, it's, yeah, it's the same situation pretty much across the board. <laughs> wow. So how are you finding it? I mean, I think the, uh, maybe not the elephant, but let's say the palm tree in the room here is Tampa, 
right? Tampa is not, you know, I'm from up north, did a lot of, I lived in New Jersey, did a lot of business in New York, and Tampa is a little different of a market, let's say. Uh, and not necessarily in a bad way. There are things that are super good about it. For those who aren't in the area, Tampa's tech sector, what was it, the last three years? I forgot the metric, but it's been growing like exponentially, right? You have, um, can't remember the name of the company, but you have a bunch of larger tech firms kind of coming down here. We obviously have a Microsoft campus. Mm-hmm. Can't remember if that's Tampa or is that technically St. Pete? Is it is it across uh, the bridge? I don't remember. It's a bad part it is I've be. been there like five times. And I just, <laughs> thank God for Google Maps. But yeah, How it's, are it's, you it's, finding it's it? Growing, like, it's growing pretty crazy. I mean, no before cybersecurity, um, not uh, human cybersecurity error training company at <laughs> a clear water just hit <laughs> unicorn status. Um, ConnectWise hit unicorn status. A-Line just got a very large amount of funding in the last like year or so. Um, Jeff Finnick is doing incredible work of trying to bring company uh, companies and people and advisors here. Florida Funders is doing a lot of fantastic work. Um, trying to to get people to invest into companies here and or moving their companies here. So it's, yeah, things are growing like crazy. Uh, but one of the things that I absolutely love about Tampa is um, one of the things I loved about the Cleveland area. It's a very big, small town. There's a lot to do. There's yes. a lot of different people. There's a lot of different companies, but everybody knows everyone. Um, I don't need to do the things I would need to do in a New York situation to get business done because I can go within a, a 30 mile like driving radius and hit pretty much every like conference that's in the area or every company that's in the area <laughs> for the most part that, that does that kind of business. So it's, it's a great geographic like distribution between everything and, and everybody's so involved and, and passionately cares about Tampa, which is great. So a lot of the local events, the powered ups, the synapses, the, ignites the bar camps the startup weeks are all you go to one you'll know everybody at all of them yeah you know i've been down here a little over three years now and one of the weirdest experiences i had coming from the the new york metro market was you know you could go to a meetup a week and never see the same guy yeah in, in new york right and because you had to go so far Right. One thing would be in Chelsea. One thing would be, I rarely went to Brooklyn, but that's because I lived in New Jersey and it was a pain to get to. But like, you know, something would be on Fifth Avenue, you know, finance district, whatever. In Tampa, I went, I think the first month I was here, I went to four events and it was like 90% the same people. <laughs> and the other 10% was like, oh yeah, well, we, 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 you know, my wife was like having a baby yesterday or, oh, uh, my husband's birthday was yesterday. So I wasn't there, but I'll be there tomorrow. It's, it's kind of weird. Yeah. If right? you if you go to a meetup for like a month and then don't show up, you'll get messages from people that like know your name and have gotten your phone number and added you on LinkedIn and stuff. And they're like, hey, I missed you out at the Agile meetup or the .NET yeah. meetup or whatever it was. <laughs> yeah. it's In a way, it's good because, uh, you know, the networking opportunities are, I, I think, a lot more authentic, if that's a word we can use, right? Yeah. So... I have two hard questions I always ask. Um, one I make up on the fly, like this one, and the <laughs> next one's pretty pretty standard. Right now, given COVID, what would you advise? Let's say, you know, someone who's either just lost their job in development or is just coming out of a boot camp. I guess those are two very different people. <laughs> Let's start with the boot camp one because that's kind of the most common case that people write in about. What would you advise that person? Let's let's call her Sally. 
1947, yeah. apparently. <laughs> All right, Sally Draper, you just got out of Suncoast Developers Guild. There you um, go. <laughs> wow, congratulations on terrible timing is, uh, is what I'm going to lead with. I have a, a really close friend whose little brother is going through the program now or just finished the program, and, and I feel for him. Um, if you're a bootcamp grad, um, I would almost have no different advice than I would give any other bootcamp grad, regardless of coronavirus. It's going to be hard. Depending on the backing of the bootcamp itself that you have, um, it can be a little bit easier. Um, like we mentioned, the Suncoast Developers Guild, we do a lot of work with them. Um, our owner goes and does like resume writing, like workshops with them and interview um, best practices and, and training workshops with them. And their team does a really fantastic job of partnering with companies in the area to help them get placed as much as they can, which is great. Um, not all boot camps are like that. <laughs> Some of them take their money and then, uh, then go, all right, we've given you the training, go find the job yourself. Um, so it kind of varies from that, but regardless, pad out your GitHub with as much relevant technology as you can. The more code you have out there that's easily available and looks good, um, the better it's going to be from from a hiring manager standpoint. If your GitHub is got like two very basic hello world calculator weather app kind of things. That's what yeah. everybody has. You got to make something unique to some degree. Um, and even if you're not a UX UI person or have any interest in any sort of front end, you still can't beat a well-coded thing that, uh, that also doesn't look bad. You can get from them actually only caring about the code, um, but spend any amount of effort into to having the face of whatever your your demo applications or your capstones are to look good. Um, but yeah, lead with your GitHub. Um, be personable in your overviews on your resume because you're you're pretty much trying to convince somebody to take a chance on you because uh, you don't have professional experience. <laughs> so personality is what most people are looking for with junior level developers. Right, and and I have to say, you know, we do hire out of Suncoast Developers Guild. You know that because I told you that before yeah <laughs> and i've dealt with many boot camps i found them to be uh somewhat better which again another ringing endorsement you know better and tolerable that's i'm really <laughs> a nice guy i'm glad that full stack and suncoast have served you so well <laughs> no you guys are doing great you know i'm just i've been locked in my house since march 16th i'm just a little cranky maybe um, preacher meet choir <laughs> yeah from a hiring perspective you're, you're absolutely right it is a huge risk to take on a boot camp uh, grad, not because of you know anything inherent. It's there's nothing more expensive than a hire who doesn't work out. Yep, especially for a company like mine that's a software consulting company, because that usually means you're comping time and letting someone go, but you still have to pay them. Yeah, so it's uh it's fun. I have way more favorable thoughts about boot camps than most people, and I I like to preach about them as much as right, I so can. lay it on me what, what's what's seriously like make because I think a lot of people are very critical make the pitch like what you know so the good news it's kind of a double-edged sword so I know a lot of people that go into boot camps not because they're actually interested in software development but they've graduated with a degree of some sort that is not getting them a job like most jobs <laughs> especially yeah. right now <laughs> yeah where it's like, oh, I got my bachelor's in the arts or like I got a, a math degree, but I don't want to be a teacher. Like, what is what am I going to do now? Um, or even relevant stuff where they're having trouble saying like, oh, I just got an accounting degree, but I can't land an accounting job. Well, these salaries look good for software development and I'm smart. 
I'm going to go do a boot camp for three months and then I'll get a six figure salary right out of the gate. Um, which a lot of boot camps don't do a terrible job at dissuading people with that kind of mindset. Yeah, um, the salary expectation of some boot camp grads has been adorable. I think it's yeah, the right word. Yeah. Yeah. But also depending on where they're looking, some of I know people that have stepped out of boot camps and gotten remote jobs out of New York based startups and stuff for like 80, 90 K because they're paying New York wages in Tampa. Right. Kind of a and they're not paying New York state tax. They're super happy about that. So exactly. Yeah. <laughs> So that's kind of the the one caveat I'll say is is that just because somebody's smart and can code doesn't mean that they're like built for it or really are passionate about it. And the the work that you get out of that kind of person is going to be very different from somebody that is actually excited to become a software engineer. Um, now that being said, man, colleges are ridiculous in a lot of cases when it comes to this stuff where they are not teaching relevant technology specific to the areas and locales that they're in. Um, there was a startup here in the area that came out of a, a startup weekend um, competition called Course Align that is sadly not around anymore, but they were actually doing market analysis data for um, cities and colleges to say like, okay, out of all of the jobs that have been posted in the last like year or five years in say just Tampa for general, like here's the tech stacks that the companies are asking for. Um, here's what percentage of those tech stacks are going for junior developers to try and give them the ammunition they need to go. Oh, we need to be teaching react in college and not C plus plus or not good, just good C plus plus and Java, <laughs> yeah. which is what a lot of them are or, or basic.net and basic SQL, where everything um, is moving so crazily, especially in the startup world from a technology standpoint, like it doesn't allow for a lot of companies that use not .NET or not Java to, to get the people they need from colleges. And I, and I feel that boot camps are, are filling a fantastic um, gap in that space by building React developers, by building PHP developers, by building Ruby developers, because um, no college in their right mind is ever like offered Ruby, except for like a very small handful. <laughs> um, so when you're a situation where you're, where you're a business owner, where you've decided to build something in Ruby, for example, and then you go, okay, I need to bring on a junior developer. You go, oh, there isn't any. Right. Your choices are someone who doesn't know it at all that you're going to train and hope doesn't blow up your project <laughs> or someone super senior who's probably going to destroy any profitability you have on the Problem. Yeah. And, and that's why a lot of those companies reach out to me. By the yeah. way, if anyone's a Ruby developer, I've got yeah. a Ruby development role that's full remote right now. <laughs> now some of that, I can't imagine anyone who's done that. <laughs> could some of that be like just the trends and like fashion of different languages and platforms? Because, you know, there was a time I remember it, you know, we also were able to go outside and like get coffee, but whatever, <laughs> where everybody and their sister was trying to become a Ruby Rails developer, right? Yeah, that was kind of weird. But I thought it was great. Yeah, it was uh, a fantastic time. And like, I want to say, this is like, I had just started at Robert Half, so like 2015? Um, yeah, it was like, it was like 2014, 2015, Rails just like had a moment where even like enterprises were starting to use it. Yeah. And whatever the um, the organized body behind Ruby is, I don't I don't officially know the organization or the name of the group of people that, that um, are in charge for like the evangelism and and um, tech of it. Well, you know, um, you know who it was, right? Who was it? Uh, have you ever heard of ThoughtBot? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're like us, but super rich. And <laughs> I'm only half kidding. What they did was they 
they opened offices and most they they were going to open one in Florida. I think at one point they might actually have one in Orlando, but they started just self funding Rails conferences and inviting business people there. And they've done a lot to support the community, but that was also, of course, a marketing opportunity for them to say, look what we can do in this technology that we've specialized in. And we're going way into the past. Now I know they, yeah. they, they're, I think they do a lot of, um, is it Elm? Something like that. They, they've, they, I'm sure they still do rails, but they were like a huge, like I remember in New York, they had a big office and when I was living up there, they had a rails event almost every other week. That's what I was about to, to touch on. I, I, I yeah. didn't know it was ThoughtBot that did it, but yeah, it was they, the same thing where they evangelizing to places they were holding conferences they were holding meetup groups they were helping companies get like grant money or like founding like seed funding to start companies if the tech stack that they were going to do it in was in ruby <laughs> so yeah it was it was really incredible to see like the push like that um but yeah that one didn't stick around as much or have as much staying power as now the the more prevalent javascript libraries are um where it's not just good enough to know JavaScript now. Like you need to know Angular, you need to know React, you need to know Node.js or Vue.js. And everybody's switching to these more up-to-date things that the majority of colleges aren't touching on, but boot camps are teaching. Why is that? Why, how, how have the boot camps kept up? Is it just looking at the job data like you suggested or is there something else? Yeah, that's a, a fair amount of it. And I don't want to speak for SDG specifically or, or any boot sure, camp sure. specifically. Sure, sure. I don't, in general. I don't, right. I don't run those. But yeah, a lot of them do do market data like that and also receive a whole lot of feedback from uh, the partnered companies that they place people in. I'm saying like, hey, michaelsbootcamp.com, uh, we're, we're really enjoying the, the people that you're giving to us for this. But we like the next time around, like we're transitioning and adding Vue.js into our stack. Like, would you be able to add that to the curriculum? And you bring in 20 people into a bootcamp and we consistently hire 10 out of each cohort. Would you mind adding that into the, the, the learning? And it kind of naturally kind of grows with that in a lot of cases, as well as the, the overall market data of people screaming, like, why, for the love of God, is there no junior React developer? <laughs> kind of why is there no junior React developer? <laughs> Just yeah. lack of it in college. I mean, there's, there's like, USF is, is ridiculously progressive on all tech stuff, and they, they make some really fantastic grads and encourage them to, to, to break out of um, standard traditional tech molds as well as like pioneering a lot of stuff in the, the same issue with cybersecurity in the area where Tampa doesn't have enough cybersecurity people. So there's a incredibly wicked, talented um, and smart cybersecurity leader in the area named Jeremy Rasmussen. Um, he's the CISO of a cybersecurity and compliance firm um, called Abacode that's in the area who pretty much was the one man champion for a while of, of trying to develop more cybersecurity stuff with USF and was hosting um, meetups and in groups and trainings and stuff for, for students there. Um, and then started like adjunct teaching simultaneously and ended up being a, a driving force behind some of the cybersecurity specific degrees and tracks that exist now at USF. So yeah, it, it just takes somebody that needs to, to have the ability, the know-how, uh, the smarts, and the the time to execute on <laughs> on pushing colleges to to go that direction. Wow, super interesting. Yeah, and yeah, I think that's one of the benefits of a market like Tampa, where it's kind of really grown into a, a tech center in the last, let's say, five yeah, about five years, right? Yeah, 
you know, you, there's a lot of influence people can have, especially the organizations that were right there when it started. So, all right, finally, the last two questions, since we went off on a crazy tangent. <laughs> One, I, can, is I there, could ramble all day. Feel free to I cut me too. off at I'm any like, time. Yeah. It's like a Lovecraft novel. We're just chattering all day. <laughs> is there anything you're currently hiring for? I know maybe that's a loaded question, given everything that's going on with COVID, but... Is there anything, you know, for folks who may have lost their job or know that their company is struggling or something like that, that you're actively hiring for, whether it's a specific technology or, or whatever? Yeah. So we have a, a, a couple of roles that are 100% remote since you said that the majority of your, your listener base are not um, here. Um, yeah. The two main ones is that we, we have a kind of flex time um, role for... Ruby development. Um, it's preferred that the person be in Florida, but it can really be anywhere really in Florida in the general area. Um, or if you're really good enough, then who cares as long as you're in the US. But the, the preferred thing is to be able to, to come to the office in Tampa every now and again. Um, yeah. And then the, the second one being a full remote um, Python and Flask development um, role for a, a contract that's going through about June timeframe and could extend from there. Um, those are pretty much the only two full remote ones we're working on right now. Um, but stuff opens up all the time and stuff closes up all the time. So feel free to, to send resumes into to jobs at fullstacktalent.com, F-U-L-L-S-T-A-C-K-T-A-L-E-N-T.com and check out our website. The other big thing is if you go to our website in the front and center um, of our page, there's a big yellow button right now that says free um, COVID-19 career resources. I encourage anybody that's either actively looking or considering passively looking uh, for a job to, to go check that out. Because with the massive amount of candidates that we're getting due to everything that's going on, um, we're unable to get everybody placed <laughs> as fast as we would like to. Um, so we at least wanted to have as many resources out there as we could to, to help as many as we could immediately. There's pretty much my my entire mini boot camp of what we put uh, candidates through as far as interview questions that you should ask best um, best practices around what questions um, you need to be to be asking, different answers and ways to, to phrase your answers to, to make um Interviews a lot more conversational as opposed to an interrogation. <laughs> um, what do you mean? Well you, you don't bring down the little light, you know, and dim the shades and everything. You don't do that. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, yeah, um, and and it kind of confuses me why so many interviews still to this day go go that way, which is which is weird. But I I, I try and kind of outline as much as I can for best practices on on interviews, on job hunts, on how to get in touch with hiring managers. Um, there's free resume templates and cover uh, letter templates, um, as well as links to, to contact us directly if you ever have any questions, concerns, want feedback on something, either resume or interview related, feel free to reach out. So we're talking about remote jobs. I, I know this is like asking you to be Dr. Fauci and predict the future, but hey, <laughs> life isn't fair. Do you think that after you know COVID is over, you're going to see a lot more remote we're full remote anyway, TMB, but do you think you're going to see a lot more companies go that way? Whew, you want the optimist or the pessimist? <laughs> I mean, I know which one I believe, but <laughs> let's, let's go with the pessimist first, I guess. Pessimist, I think on the worst end of the scale, I think there's going to be a lot of people that uh, that don't want to go back to, to full-time in offices. Um, and have companies not 100% be okay with that in the midterm um, and end up replacing them. 
do that with people that are okay to, to work in the office? Cause this is, this is the, the craziest remote experiment of all time. Um, everybody in the country is remote for the most part, especially in any kind of technical aspect or, or enterprise job. Um, yeah, but also, there's also a big difference between regular remote work and remote work when all the kids are home. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, it's everybody's going through the trials and tribulations of that. But now every company that has been telling their technical staff that have been begging for remote for years, no, we can't. It doesn't fit our environment. We can't do it. What ammunition do they have now to tell them no to at least not partial remote or like a day or two remote when they continue to do work, if not work better and more efficiently now? I think. Smart teams are going to be able to track their output well, not in like an evil overlord way, but knowing that, hey, the team is working and comparing that to, to the there's, old There's going to be some evil overlord stuff going oh, on. Oh, no, too. I let's, know let's, there is, yeah. but I'm not suggesting they do it that way. <laughs> Trust but verify is, is my, oh, my What's up, Reagan? How you doing? <laughs> Don't completely, as a manager, take your your eyes off of what everyone's doing. But for the love of God, don't shoot a message like every 10 minutes asking like, what are you doing now? What are you doing now? When is that thing done? It's like, it's not even close and it's not supposed to be. Why are you <laughs> up my back? See, my vulgar viewpoint on this as a business owner, and I know plenty of my peers who just think I'm crazy. I hate paying rent. <laughs> like, I have downsized since moving to Florida. I started with a large space in a very traditional kind of dev shop model. And every year I have cut my rent in half by giving up space because I have one room in Plant City now and I haven't been there in four months. So I'm literally just writing this other company a check to like lease part of their office, you know, part of their building rather. And I don't get if you're going to go partial remote, why not just go all the way? Like I get a, I just, ah, I, I get it from a, some meeting standpoint and from a cross-functional team standpoint and just like, it, it doesn't work for every company, but like giving people the flexibility at least definitely makes sense. I was curious why you still had your office for a while. Cause you're like, Oh yeah, I've got my, my partners up in New Jersey and me and a couple of people, but a lot of them work remote. It's like, why do you even have that office still? Honestly, cause the full lease doesn't expire until October. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I hate going there. It's just, I mean, the correct word is overhead, right? It's just overhead. There is a little bit I miss, you know, when we were all up in New Jersey and the whole team was together in one space, that was kind of more fun, but kind of less productive because, you know, there's a lot of, oh, it's, you know, Cindy's birthday or April's, you know, throw a baby shower. Um or someone, you know, is obviously upset about something. So now like five people have to go talk to him about it for yeah. two hours. That's why I suggest that like anybody doing that full remote model still at least has some kind of like, I mean, I'm not going to ask you what your specific numbers are, but if you had to say uh, what the the cost or the, the percentage cost difference for you to fly everybody in your company to a remote location for a three day weekend to have a team building versus your lease for the year, which is cheaper. <laughs> oh, oh, you know, I'm a big fan of the team building, especially because like now as we've shifted, there's only one person left in New Jersey. It is so easy just to fly him here and be like, we're going to Disney World. right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Everybody's just like, oh, well, like, well, we're not going to have people. And it's like, OK, well, once or twice a year, bring everybody in, um, have people come and meet everybody and spend like a whole week 
in an office equivalent or get a temporary co-working space or um, don't work and just have everybody have a, a mini vacation together for a couple of days and then let them have the rest of the week off to do whatever they want. In yeah. The go, go see Orlando, go see the Dolly museum in St. Pete. Also, yeah. that, that's a great point. So I, I should be fair. I have become a pretty uh, enthusiastic, like once a quarter I've never done industrious in Tampa, but I've done a uh, Tampa Bay wave has those co-working spaces. Yep. Um, and, uh, up in New Jersey, we use a company called the Regis. That is a great way. If you're just like sprinting on a release to just say, okay, for a week, we're going to rent this office or this conference room and like sit down and get this done. But then you don't have this long-term, like five-year lease. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's great. I mean, I, I miss our, our office that we used to have in Ebor. Um, we started in Cowork Tampa, um, which is just oh, that's north super of cool, Ebor. You're like on the trend here. Well, no, we're not there anymore. We're even oh. more trendy. So we started in Cowork Tampa, which is um, sure. up off of like uh, Columbus and Armenia, kind of by the stadium. Um, right. Old brick cigar factory building. Absolutely gorgeous. Fantastic. Loved it there. Um, but then we found this killer, killer steal of an office in Ebor, and we were there for two years year and a half, two years, um, one year time's flying. Um, I have no idea. You tell <laughs> yeah, me. <right? laughs> I, uh, I feel like it was two, but the, it was fantastic. Um, and I, and I really enjoyed being that close to Ebor and having a permanent Ebor parking spot, which was really nice. Uh, cause I go oh, to a lot of concerts over there. I, yeah. Uh, it, I hate it was you great. for the parking spot. I go to softworks <laughs> all the time and it's like, let me park five miles away. Oh, we were one jump. block from them. Like we were one block. Okay, so I know exactly where you were then. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, but then we, uh, we recently moved to Hyde house, which is station houses, new Hyde park location. Oh, um, that's nice. That's really nice. Yeah. It's very nice. And I live in Hyde park and the owner lives in South Tampa, not far from here as well. So we can't, can't beat the range. Like I could walk to work. <laughs> That's actually really nice. Yeah, so, Hyde, House is, Hyde House is gorgeous. Yeah, that's a really nice area. So for the vast majority of people who don't live in Florida, that was a very boring five minutes. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so last question. It's the way I end all the shows. What is your hardware, software, and like your one or two primary tools that you use to do your job? Like your most important tools. What does your computer configuration look like? You know, Mac, PC, whatever. So yeah, uh, my day-to-day is a whole lot less technical um than the majority of the people you probably have on your podcast the last guy said email so don't worry Uh, okay in that case i'm I'm bill gates um (laughs) so my daily life kind of consists of three or four uh main platforms um i spend a ridiculous amount of time on linkedin um i have a a very large network there and use that to keep in touch with clients and, and find a lot of new business um from an applicant tracking system standpoint we use uh zoho recruit which is really good. So that's what we keep pretty much as our CRM. Um, I use an outbound sales tool um, called Outreach um, that sets cadences, does email automation, email templating. For people not in the sales space, <laughs> cadences are the the way and timing in which you contact people. So say, for example, all right, Michael Dominic's got a job posting and I want to contact him to try and give him candidates for it. What am I doing day one? Am I calling or emailing? What does that email look like? What is the information I need to make sure I have for the call on the position itself? Okay, he didn't answer that. What do I do two days from now? What do I do two days after that or five days? 
okay, he didn't respond at all. How frequently do I want to email him over the course of the next two years until he responds? <laughs> and uh, Outreach is, is a fantastic program for that. I'm a, I'm a really big fan. Um, they're not a local company, but they, they did open a fairly large office and channel side um, and have some people locally for that. That's um, really good. We use WordPress uh, for our website which I do some administration of and, and tweaking on from my background of stuff. And that's kind of the general tech stack of all of it. We're Google suite for the majority of business stuff, as far as Gmail and docs sheet slides, as opposed to word, but yeah. Yeah. That all sounds fair to me, Matt, where can people find you online? You can find me at fullstacktalent.com is our website um, on LinkedIn. I believe I'm Matthew Vaughn. Uh, nope. I'm we'll have Vaughn. links to everything in the show notes. Don't worry. You don't have to. <laughs> oh, okay. cut it. Yeah, you don't have to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In that case, check the the links below for that. But yeah, Matt Vaughn on LinkedIn and uh, and FullStackTalent.com. All right. Well, thank you for coming on. And I think our message of move to Tampa was was well put. Yeah, it's a fantastic place when there's not a, a pandemic. Yet again, That's nowhere right. is great right now with that. So thanks for having me. This was uh, this was fun. No, thanks for coming. This was really cool.